0: This is Desi and welcome back to my podcast, Candle in a Dark Room. So today I have a beautiful guest named Sarah Foley. Sarah is also known as Vertical Blonde. She's a speaker and a life coach and runs a disability icon inclusive fitness designed to help female wheelchair users like herself increase their health and confidence. She's on a mission to redefine what it looks like to live with a disability and loves empowering others to view circumstances with a vertical mindset. Her incredible story of reinvention is featured in the recent best-selling book, Your Second Act by Patricia Heaton. Sarah has also been a guest on the Tony Robbins podcast, the Mel Robbins show, the Resilient Minds podcast, and many others. Her 2020 revision workshop was a huge success, and the follow-up, My Confidence, is already booking up. So, you can find Sarah on Instagram at Vertical Blonde or at verticalblonde.com. So, I actually had the pleasure of meeting Sarah in Park City last year, the beginning of last year. Um, she was there doing a women's t- kind of retreat type thing. Um, and I was able to go up with actually my friend Seek who, to do that photo shoot where we did the labeling photo shoot. And it was incredible. Um, I heard about Sarah, heard her story, and I just, I've just followed her ever since because I just love, I love what you like, what you represent. I love your positive attitude about everything. And I don't know, I just think it's really cool how you are. Like You're just seriously the most beautiful person inside and out, considering mm-hmm. your circumstances like you never would know. And I just think that's
1: amazing. Um, so welcome to my podcast and thank you for being with me. Thank you so much. Thank you for providing this light and this space. I appreciate it. Of course.
0: So um, why don't you start off with kind of just where, how you grew up and then kind of just where you got, how you got to where you are today?
1: Totally. So I was born and raised in Sandy, Utah. And um, I, yeah, raised and I went to private Catholic school my whole life, kind of just really kept in this little bubble. Um, And so as soon as I sort of reached my 20s, I was ready to just like break free. Um, I always had this sort of performer in me this like, kind of need to have a stage or a microphone and just didn't really know what to say. So the Mm. next sort of like, you know, 15 years, were just really me figuring out what I wanted that to be what I wanted to talk about. Um, And so my 20s, I spent all in Palm Springs, um, got into the health and wellness industry, into the spa industry, um, and then also was working on a television career. So um, I hosted a television show out there, got a really great, great experience kind of having that microphone, that camera. um, And then as fate would have it, it took me actually back to Utah uh, when I was 29 years old, got a really great job running a spa up in Park City. So it was while i was up there at park city resort i was running the spa it was its like my dream job at that point like i i love the television but there's something about the spa that was kind of pulling me back and it felt like it was time worked my way up to getting that position um and it was while i was working there that i started dating um a, a new guy sean and we went on a little uh getaway to southern utah down brian head took some four wheelers and it was while on this four wheeling excursion, which was very like, I mean, we were on this big, like fire access road, like was not big jumps or anything crazy. It was just, we were just cruising along. And at one point, um, Sean and the other guy were there with another couple, the other guy went on up ahead. They wanted to check and make sure that the road stayed safe. And, uh, at the top of the mountain, we saw the one friend, um, Jim say, come on up. You're good. You're good. And what we didn't know was that Sean was coming back down around the bend to let us know. So as I started going up, we came around the bend and I just panicked and I was so inexperienced. And it's funny And though, you were like, driving? I was driving my own. We were all on okay. our own four wheelers. Yeah. Okay. And um, it's funny that like how slow motion those things kind of happen. Yeah. You know, like, I remember seeing him be like, get off the trail, jerking the wheels. And then I just kind of watched and he had thrown himself kind of against the side of the mountain, this side was a big field. And so I remember in that instance being like, I should have gone straight because if I had, all would be fine. Like he got out of the way, no worries, but I jerked the wheel, hit a ditch and just started flipping and it was instant paralysis. So mm-hmm. right away I couldn't feel my feet, my legs. Um, did you break and- your back or what, how did that happen? So it landed on me a few times and it snapped my back right at T4. So kind of right where the bra strap goes around the body. Um, I snapped my clavicle in half and then broke almost every rib. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just bone that really got the brunt. None of my internal organs were affected. My brain wasn't affected. Um, I was wearing a helmet. Um, I still have not seen the helmet, but Sean says that it's pretty brutal to look at. Um, you can just see like, thank God that thing was on my head. If you wouldn't um, have been wearing a helmet. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, we waited for Lifelight. Lifelight came. They took me uh, to Las Vegas, further away from home, but it was closer to where we were. And okay. uh, Sean followed, Sean in the car had to make all the phone calls to my mom. He had to call every, you know, he had to make all those calls. I was up in the Life Flight and just, you know, they start giving you the morphine right away. So, um, uh, if you don't mind
0: me asking, so when that all have, so when that happened and after you landed and kind of sat there for a second, what was going through your head? Like when you realized you couldn't feel your feet or did you not realize at first or how did that whole thing happen?
1: It was, it was kind of a process, you know, it's funny really what again goes through your head because I remember like I landed and I stopped And I had flipped so far off the trail that I could see Sean just like running full board towards me. And all I could think of was my second grade teacher and she was teaching us about this motorcycle accident. And she said that after the accident, they moved him the wrong way and that that killed him. Mm. And so I was like, don't move me. Like whatever you do, do not move me and I will be fine. In my head, I was like, I'll be fine. Like I know what to do. My second grade teacher told me like, you don't move, (laughs) you're fine. So I was like, don't movie, call life flight like I was actually really, really um coherent. coherent. yeah mm-hmm. and then Sean, on the other hand, he was he was traumatized like he I, I can't even imagine seeing your. yeah, he's watched it all. He felt responsible. So he was just like uh, at one point I remember saying like, come sit with me, come be calm with me like kind of calming him down. And I think about that like, good Lord, it's one thing to have it done, but it's another thing to watch it happen to somebody else. Um right. so I, dear friend, he was a um, a captain for a fire fireman captain. And he said, it was always the person that you weren't paying attention to that needed the most help, right? Like mm. everyone rushes to who's injured, but he's like, there's always like someone that is watching nearby that is like, okay, come sit with me. The, the, They're the, the ones panicking. Picture, Yeah, that they can't process that. So when you're in it, it's a different experience than when you're watching it. So, um, but yeah, I remember, you know, just sitting up there at one point, I did call my mom and just let her know, like, mom, I I can't feel my legs. Um, She remembers that call more than I do. Um, But I remember that they had pinched my toes a few times because my shoes had flown off and there was just, there was no connection. I couldn't feel at all. So the and big, were you panicking at that point, or were you kind of just like? I was just That's more weird, so not real life. Okay. I was just more in pain. The thing that hurt the most was my clavicle. I'd landed mm. kind of on my side, yeah. and it was just like ready to pop out of there. Um, yeah. And I think that the rest of my body just went into shock. So it was here, and I was like just trying to keep it really, really steady. We did get the helmet off, and I just kind of kept my head on like a folded up um, sweatshirt. But um, but I just it was a long hour and a half. You waited for an Oh, wow. Yeah, the light to get there. And oh, then when yeah. they did get there, they were like, this is going to hurt as they put you on like the backboard. And I was just like, I remember just wanting to kill that guy. I was like, mother, like that hurt. So yes. Whole, like it just feels ugh. like it all over again. So, um, yeah. And then took me to Las Vegas surgery was about 10 hours long. Um, they could, but got a plate here. They put rods and pins in my back to stabilize. And the doctors were actually more confident in my recovery. They, my, my spinal cord just got compressed. It didn't get severed. And so they were like, we can just relieve that pressure. The spinal cord will be able to speak to itself again. And so I never got those fateful words. Like you'll never walk again. I never got any of that. I was still really hopeful to the point of, I really thought I was going to walk out of the hospital. So when I didn't, when did that, you finally realize that? Well, there's a point where, so I was in the hospital for about three weeks there in Vegas. Then they transferred me to Colorado. I went to Craig Hospital, um, which is where uh, Christopher Reeves, Superman went, like best mm-hmm. in the nation. And um, so the three weeks, I didn't really expect that walking to happen at that point. I was like, oh, once I get to like rehab, I'm, I'm good. Right. They're going to help you um, with all that. Yeah, but actually on my way there, I ended up contracting spinal meningitis from an infection in the Las Vegas hospital. And that's like, I was really on deathbed for a while there for about 15, 12, 12 days or so. How did you um, get that? Cancer. How do you get that when you're, was like an open wound? Was that why? Or like what happened? Uh, I think through my back. Yeah. Through like mm. the drains and the, and the incision space that okay. I did contract an infection and Um, it was in the airplane ride from Vegas to Craig, uh, Colorado that all of a sudden my head was just like, I just remember that pain just being like, Oh my God. I I felt like it was going, my brain was exploding and they got me down. They did a spinal tap and they were just like, yeah, this girl's really sick. So, um, the cool thing about Craig hospital is next door. There's a hospital called Swedish hospital and there's literally an underground tunnel. That they just like take you back and forth when you got your doctor's appointments or whatever and it's actually oh, yeah, a really nice. setup they got so they took me right through the underground tunnel over there and um yeah then i came out of that that i don't i literally don't remember those 12 days not one bit. when um, you were had meningitis yeah oh. and then they took me back and kind of got right to work you start doing physical therapy start learning how to do occupational therapy everything from like learning how to make cookies in the kitchen and like navigating a kitchen in a wheelchair to how do you transfer from your chair to a couch? How do you get into a car? How do you drive a car with hand controls? They did a whole driving school there. Um, They really set you up for the utmost amount of independence and it's really done in sort of this progressional way. Like you start in a hospital room, then you go to your own room. It's almost like a little studio apartment. You've got your own little kitchen you're still in a hospital bed that inclines, then you graduate to a bigger bed, then you graduate to a real bed, you know, it's so it's all these mm. professional steps that once you're done, their, their goal is independence. And then at that point, it's been about three months, I'm ready to go home. I'm like, I just want to go home. Like, I'm, I'm exhausted. Like, I just want to see my friends and family again. Although I had it way better than most. Um, my family and friends set up basically like this calendar. So I was never alone. People oh, were always flying awesome. in. It was like a revolving door. I, I, there were maybe maybe five days I was alone. You know, in wow. just always someone was there. And, um, but you know, you just, you're like, you kind of want to get out of a hospital. Yeah. And you're surrounded by sickness and you're surrounded by like wheelchairs and you know but but while you're in the hospital you're everybody's like biggest priority.
0: Right. So you're
1: anxious to get home thinking that's going to continue and you're still going to have all the support. But then you get home and everyone's gone back to their real lives.
0: Right.
1: And you're just sort of left with like nothing about my life is the way it used to be. I don't pee the same way I did. I don't get in and out of bed the same way. Like I don't get in and out of a shower. The only thing that would like get me from my bed to the bathroom to the living room was that there was a TV in there, and I wanted to watch Prices Right every day at eleven, <laughs> and that was literally what got me out of bed every single da- day. I was like, oh, wow. I love the Prices Right. You kind of always want that excuse to like just sit around and watch Prices Right, and then you get it, and you're like, Oh my god, this is yeah my life. <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> so, um. I went back to work really fast and
0: really quick when this all happened and you got out of the hospital and you went home at this point, had your mental health, like had it clicked like, I'm not going to walk again. This is my new normal. Like, how was that with your mental health and everything?
1: Yeah. So I had been taught my entire life that you put on a super happy smile and you Mm -hmm. get through life just like this. and you pay no attention to what's down there or in here, you just put on this and you stay really happy, positive because you're everyone's inspiration. And this is actually kind of a fateful thing that the disability community is constantly told, you're such an inspiration. And they're like, I'm just trying to put on my shoes and not be my pants today. Right? Like I'm trying to live my life. I don't see the inspiration. I'm just trying to be normal. I'm literally just trying to be as normal as possible and I'm not your inspiration. But on the other hand like we get inspired by things that we can't even fathom and so i try to remind this to the disability community like their intentions aren't to make you feel uncomfortable it's that they can't imagine right life in our shoes just that goes for anybody else i can't imagine having sexual trauma i didn't i didn't go through that can't freaking imagine super inspired by those that come through it right Right. So I can't imagine someone that is a dancer that has two prosthetic legs can't fathom a life mm-hmm. to do that. And then they look at me and they're like, I can't fathom being a mom and wearing high heels in a wheelchair. What? I can't <laughs> imagine that. Right. Like, right. so we get inspired by that that we can't imagine, that we can't right. really fathom what that feels like. And, um, but that can be really hard for the disability community. And I think that I really, I took that on as a lot of pressure of, you got to keep the smile on because now people are relying on you for inspiration. And so for the first four years after I was stuck in the grieving process at denial. And so I was super happy, went back to work within five months, went to, I went to back to where I was the boss, right? I was the leader, like people needed me cause I was sick of being in need of everyone helping me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was so sick of like having to call like friends and family and be like, um, I fell out of my wheelchair today and I'm naked. So can you just come over and like not talk about it but help me get me in my chair, right? Like right. We, going through those moments, it was just like, get me out of this. Like give me anything yeah. to avoid dealing with this. And yeah, okay. work was like stopped. you said.
0: Just picturing yeah, I, I like you just said. Like I can't even fathom. Like okay. one day, you're like your life. Like you're still here, but your life is a hundred percent different. Like totally, you're you're different. Like everything is just changed. So, um, so you did, so you no know, one did that for everyone else. But what about for you?
1: Well, and so for me, behind closed doors. So that day of the accident, Sean and I, before I got hurt, we had gone on this hike, just the two of us. And if you've ever down, been down to Brian Head, you almost feel like it's like the ages when the dinosaurs ruled the earth, right? Like these crazy red rock formations and we're the only people around at like this lookout spot. And we were there with our four dogs. And And I turned to him and I was like, my life is perfect right now. I've got my dream job. I'm in love. I make good money. I've got friends and family. Like I'm really like happy. Everything is perfect. Mm. And then for... Hours later, everything wasn't. And so for That's me, right. the mental health was, I would constantly be like, I had it. It was right here. My perfect yeah, life. five
0: minutes, you saw it and then it was Where are gone.
1: you? Yeah, and so the disbelief of like, am I gonna wake up from this? Cause there's no way that this can be my life. There's no freaking way that this is what my reality is. And so having that smile and then behind closed doors, super angry. I would hit my legs all the time. That was my thing. I was just, I would like slap them. I would hit them. I never got into like cutting them or anything, but I did hit them all the time. And I would see if you were to could feel anything or because you were just so mad at them. Yes. I was like, wake up. Like what's wrong with you? I can see you. I can look at you. Why aren't you listening to me? Why aren't you moving? Like wake up. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so I just I got into that really bad. I had a lot of suicidal thoughts. I would write about suicide. Of like, I, I every day, the thing that was always hard for me is that the first thing I had to do every day was this bowel routine. I can't poop on my own. Like, telling it like it is. Like, yeah. I have to do things to like make myself go to the bathroom, and mm. it would take an hour and a half on the toilet an hour and a half on the toilet every single morning and that was the first thing i had to do so i was like i don't even want to get out of bed but price is right is calling me but i have to go poop before i do that like it was just right. like, and so as i would sit there for an hour and a half and a lot of days like my bowels just had a mind of their own so i was constantly going to the bathroom in the bed i would like either my bladder would release or my bowels would, re- would release and i would wake up and be like are you kidding me again like the amount no, of laundry it- that I'm doing so the I would sit there and I would think of like, how hard do I have to throw myself onto the ground to like crack my head and like kill myself? Like how hard would Mm -hmm. I like go down? And that's all I would think of. And then I'd be like, but then like thinking of my family and friends, I watched them in turmoil, watch me go through this. I can't imagine them watching me be dead. And so Mm -hmm. that kept me there. So I never sought help emotionally. Mm -hmm. I went to a therapist once and I remember just thinking like, you have no clue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're walking around, you're fine. He was like this older white guy, like just, there was no relation. And I look back like, why didn't I just like, at least find a woman, you know, find something that I could connect. Um, but when I was in Craig hospital, they do set you up with a therapist. And I had like three appointments. He showed up late to one and didn't show up to another. So I had one and a half appointments for mental health. And that is such a missing piece, especially in those early days. Right. Just for one saying like, it's okay to be sad and pissed and let's get you through this grieving process together. Like there was none of that. And it's so focused on getting you to a physical independence, but you don't believe that you even want to go home. Like, right. No, you're like, why do I want to go home to this? This is crap. That should be like an automatic thing as part of the healing process is,
0: okay, this yeah. happened to her. She's, we, she's assigned a therapist that she sees once a week while she's here. Like like you said, that should be an automatic thing, but their focus is so on the physical, but yeah. nobody thinks about the mental health. And I think that has to go with a lot of different situations, not just physical trauma, but all trauma. They don't think, they, they just think about the now and they're not thinking about the long-term effects of what, they, what we're gonna need to heal. And Absolutely. so- like Oh, yeah. I can't even
1: believe that. And okay. so, so, um, so that's four years. So that's a long time. Yeah. And as fate would have it, we came to Maui for my best friend's wedding. So also Sean and I, at this point, we got married on the... This is how much in denial we were too. This is a key factor. We got married on the anniversary date of the accident. We wanted to make it a good day and not a bad day in our history. We wanted to just like pretend like the accident didn't even exist. Our wedding photographer and videographer, we went and got married on the beach, just us and our moms. At this point, I'm three months pregnant. And um, we went to the beach and it was like really romantic. Sean's like carrying me across the sand. We sat in the sand for the ceremony. I was like to my photographer, I was like, my wheelchair is not allowed in a single photo. You don't if you watch our video, you don't even know that I can't walk. You wouldn't just, have never known. No, it just looks super romantic because Sean's carrying me across the sand. Like, you have no clue, no clue. And Ugh. so we just we're stuck in this, like, if we can pretend like it doesn't exist, if we yeah. can just do whatever we can. And he did the same thing. It was like, I never struggled. He would just, you know, if I had a hard time with something, he would just pick me up and do it. Like, we would just make it work. But it was just, we did anything we could to pretend like it didn't happen. Ugh, that's crazy. So, okay. So really quick. So you said you were three
0: and a half months pregnant. If you don't mind, because mm-hmm. a lot of people, I sure have the same questions.
1: So are you paralyzed from waist down or just your leg? How does that work? So I am, um, I am chest down. So I'm like, you know where your bra strap goes around your, your rib. Yeah. Cage? That's from that down. So, so you can't pull so, your stomach Mm-mm. So, Which is okay. such, a, such a bonus. On being pregnant, because <laughs> yeah, I got pregnant the normal way. Yes, paraplegics can totally still have sex; it all still works. We just feel it very, very differently. Okay. So, um, so the line that I call kind of my ring of fire, where my I go from feeling to no feeling, it's super hypersensitive. So when dealt with, with. Love, Um, it can actually feel really good because it's really energizing and like, oh, okay. so, um, so you, and you, then you like feel something. It's just different. Neck, yeah, you just you've got to oh, okay. do differently, and you got to okay. have a partner that's very like, we'll just figure this out. But yeah, the holes still work. But okay. you know, like you just go. You're it. still able to have a child and everything normal. Okay, so got got pregnant actually on accident first. Um, I found out on like a Thursday, I ended up having a miscarriage on that Sunday on mother's day, which was really weird. Um, but we realized like, okay, we're ready. Let's do it. So we waited like a month of a cycle and my doctor was like, yeah, try again. And on days 12, 14 and 16, and we did, and it was like, you're pregnant. Like it was so easy.
0: Oh my gosh. That's nice.
1: Um, yeah. So the pregnancy, I feel like Charlie was just like this little angel from God in Mm -hmm. every way. Um, I, you know, the whole pregnancy story is beautiful in itself because I, uh, you know, I am um, just having this connection with a part of my body that it, it kind of just felt out of body experience, I guess, because you can't really feel it yet. I would like feel him like kick my arm through my tummy. So I was like feeling him from the outside in. It was really weird. Oh, but- okay.
0: Because you, you wouldn't feel him moving and kicking, of course. So you would have to feel him. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay.
1: okay. Yeah, so it was kind of it was different, but um, different. Yeah. But I feel
0: like also more intimate. Like for me, I, I would I would imagine because you had to be very conscious of present. feeling him and present and all of that. Where most people, like for me, I was just like, oh, okay. like just not thinking about it. So you were able to appreciate that more. I feel like
1: I think so too. And yeah. you know, he he ended up coming five weeks early. Um, we did not expect it, and I actually had like because my, my contractions just felt tightness. There was no pain. And so I had like three false alarms. I was like, Oh, that's totally it. And I get there and they're like, no, no, it's it's not. It's like, so we get there and I'm like, no, this is really it. Like I wake up, it's like three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, Oh my gosh, my body feels so tight. Turn on the light. The water's already broken. I'm like, ah, Mm. like, let's go. Like, this is crazy. And Sean has it in his head that he's gonna be like in the hospital for like three days. So he's like packing the iPad and the pillow. And I'm like, oh, you don't have time for that shit. Like this kid's we going- gotta go. So no, we gotta go. So we get there and um, they see me and they're like, hi, Miss Foley, like we've seen you multiple times. We'll be with you soon. I was like, no lady, like you, let's go. She texts my cervix. She's like, I, get, I just like felt his hair. I'll be right back. Like- Oh shoot. Yeah, so she's like, okay, like push. And I pushed two times and he just like went, Oh my gosh. So the paraplegia, if anyone listening to this and is scared of having a baby, it's a dream come true. You don't feel any pain that your body's not in resistance. It's just going to slide right out of there. It is so simple and you can totally have it the natural way. You don't have to do a C-section, anything like that. It was It was so easy, and like you
0: said, there uh, were the um, your body automatically clenching up. You don't have to worry about that. It was released
1: and relaxed, and so it made it super easy. That's crazy, really crazy. Like he even like came out like he just had a bath. I was like, this is not (laughs) what I heard. It's all different. Like this is so weird. Um, That's funny. And then he did end up spending a week in the NICU because his lungs weren't quite what they needed to be. um which was a dream as well because we our nursery was not ready like we were just so not ready it was so early and you know the the nurses in the nicu man like those are amazing you you learn how to do the bath and they teach you how to breastfeed yes just it's it's actually kind of a dream come true because it's my daughter
0: was a creamy she was born at 32 weeks actually so she was in the NICU for a while and was like three pounds. And yeah, it was crazy. So I totally understand. Like you said, it was almost kind of a blessing in disguise with those little things, because it, and I, I feel like that definitely bonded
1: us too, like yes. really well. So I agree. Yeah. It's a cool experience. I mean, it's, it's emotional and you want that right. baby home. Of I mean, course. there's definitely the, it's not all gun, you know, happiness and roses, but, right. um, but there's so many blessings that I think you Absolutely. don't really. So, Um, so yeah, we had Charlie and he has just been, he is my little, he is my little helper. He's so cute. Honestly, like I love being a mom with a disability because I know myself as a mom and I would want to just do everything for him. And he's so independent because he, I can't do everything for him. You know, and he's got this level of awareness and help for people like it's funny because they'll go play at like friends houses and they're like Charlie make sure that the floor is all cleared after they play and it's because uh-huh. he's always making sure that toys are out of the way for mommy oh, that's and so sweet. anywhere we go like if he goes somewhere new with somebody else he comes on he's like mom I found the ramp so you can get inside like he's oh. always for the ramp he's just got an awareness that kids don't well and them. his
0: heart his heart is he's seen the struggle. He sees what we don't see on the outside. He sees the tears. He sees everything. And so I think that that's, he sees the happiness. He sees all of it. And so I think it's really cool because it's made I'm, his heart like so much softer than most than most kids, than most people. It's made him be able to appreciate the little things. Like my my kids don't have any idea what that would be like. So they're not like that at all. You know what I mean? So they leave their mess all over the floor, you know? So I I think that's so awesome because he's able to, really see that and like put himself in other people's shoes and stuff and I think that that's really cool that's, yeah, that's beautiful. Special. Yeah. um so what about so explain um kind of your relationship with your husband with because of everything that happened I would assume like that was heavy that was hard because you guys weren't married yet and you said he was like in panic did he blame himself like how did how have you guys worked through this? Alright guys, so if you follow me on Instagram, you've probably seen me wearing and repping the cutest leggings and workout gear. Well, all of that is from my ladies at Clone Apparel. The founder, Alex, was actually a guest on episode 10, Darkness Before Dawn on season 1, which was about suicide prevention. Clone specializes in apparel for every booty and boob type. Plus, they have stuff from men as well. I can literally go from recording this podcast to the gym to picking up my kids and never have to worry about them moving, scrunching, or showing my booty. They are squat-proof, moisture-wicking, and did I mention, super affordable. I'm talking nothing over $45. They will be launching new styles including high-waisted workout shorts this month, which I seriously cannot wait for check out the clone highlight on my Instagram page and make sure you follow them on Facebook and or Instagram at clone apparel that's k-l-o-n apparel and the link to their website is in the bio also if you use the discount code candle in a dark room one word you will get 20% off so make sure you check them out now you will not regret it Oh, it has been a journey. And the reason and- I ask this is because being I haven't been through the same physical trauma, but through my sexual trauma, this is something me and my husband have had to work through, but a different way. And so that's why I love to kind of get in for me, like get advice in this type of
1: situation. Yeah. And, you know, we, um, we are both under the same mentality of you put on that happy face. Mm-hmm. So two of us working together, we didn't get very far very fast. And Mm. a lot of, one of my favorite quotes is a Wayne Dyer quote. And he says, when we change the way we see things, the things that we see change. And Mm. it's a reminder that it doesn't matter what our intention is. It matters what our true honest thoughts are about a person. So for me, I use the accident and I used him. I blamed him. I'm just gonna put it out there. I fully blamed him. And every mm-hmm. time I had a bad day around my disability, in my head, I was like, well, you put me in this chair. Mm-hmm. Like, If you would right? Like it was your fault. And right. in reality, he was literally doing everything to keep me safe. He put me on this safer ATV. He went on up ahead. He was coming down to get me, like everything he was doing to try and keep me safe. And he sees it as he failed. And I see it as it's your fault, which set us up for a lot of hurt and I, and denial because we would still put on this face every time we were out in public, people started to like gravitate to our love story. Like it was the most epic thing on the planet they loved mm-hmm. it they Loved that he stuck around is he gonna stay or go it was like this movie playing out and it was so dramatic and you know and there was love that kept him together and it, all these things this but, whole lifetime movie that wasn't a reality was basically a total <laughs> lifetime movie. yeah homework yeah. should be calling me right now so <laughs> the, um but, but now, behind closed doors though and in my head and and in his head the trauma that he was putting himself through and the the unprocessed trauma for him, right? Him having to watch all of that and it being so stuck in his body, he developed massive amount of anxiety. He developed really, um, really big crutches in his life, um, you know, through through different vices. Um, and then I also had a vice, which was my work. And I put my work above everything else. I became a workaholic so that I didn't have to deal with that and it set us up for failure Mm -hmm. and we ended up splitting this year Mm -hmm. year. and we had to we actually went through more healing and more processing after the split than we did that then we were together and now you split up this year yeah Oh, so this was years after. This is all. So this we went through many years together. Yeah, and we we just never. You
0: just couldn't fake it anymore. I mean, it's you couldn't put the face anymore.
1: Yeah, it felt like putting this mask on with each other with the world, like just everywhere. We were just we just weren't doing it. But um, so last year. I ended up going to this Tony Robbins event and uh, he talks about Ho'oponopono. You heard of this Hawaiian practice? No, I haven't. It's- But I remember when you went to that, because you went when
0: Jake and, did you go when Jake went, Who was at your retreat? Yep,
1: he was my that-
0: yeah, I- guest. Okay, so- yeah, I know a few people went to that, okay.
1: Um, so we um, we learned that at that event, at that first Tony Robbins event is where I had the epiphany of, oh my God, I'm blaming him. Like I didn't even witness it. I didn't realize it. I had the thoughts, but like, you know, sometimes you're just, you become really aware of, of something in yourself. You're like, Whoa. Yeah. And I have just this total epiphany of like, oh my gosh, of course he feels like he can't do anything right. And of course I'm so critical because inside all I'm doing is blaming him. And so back to that quote, if I saw him as whose fault it was, how am I going to treat him? Yeah. I'm going to treat him like dirt. Yeah, I'm gonna treat even if my, I've got the best intentions to be like the sweet wife. No, I'm gonna treat the realness is gonna come out.
0: Right. So
1: right. Uh, there's this Hawaiian practice, and it's called Ho'oponopono, and it is the literal translation is to to make right. And so you are taking a hundred percent real, hundred percent responsibility for your reality. Mm. So it's not saying anyone's fault. I'm not taking it on that it's my fault, but I'm taking responsibility for the filters that through which I'm seeing this person, mm. this circumstance, this thing in my life, this trauma, this accident. I am taking responsibility. And so what you do is it's the, these four lines, and I'd love to take you through it because I think is the most transformational thing ever. Yeah. Yeah it's beautiful when you can actually take someone through the entire experience. They kind of go out, they ride this wave and these emotions, like you're just like, Whoa, where did that come from? I was from? just going to say like, just you talking about it. I'm like,
0: I want to do that. I want to go through that because I think it's for yeah. anyone who's been through trauma and he, and is healing. I think that's great. Cause of course with my, my story, I've, 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 blamed a lot of people. I've, you know, obviously my perpetrator and all those things. And so that, I think that that's would be, that's a beautiful way to change your like your thought process
1: totally it changes your thought process and it changes how you experience it in your body Mm -hmm. because it if we make no one right or wrong we make nothing good or bad everything just is then you can start to see like oh this is how i get to use it and that's honestly um I could like literally talk about this stuff all day, but that's, that's what the vertical mindset is, is it's you understanding that everything in your life is completely working for you to elevate you to a new level. And so something like my relationship with Sean, me overcoming my disability is one thing, me getting to a place of forgiveness and love towards him. And that experience is by far my biggest triumph in my life. Because I was raised to blame, to resent, to criticize, right? To everybody, no one can do it right. Like anything you're doing, I'm like, I'm gonna judge the crap out of that person. Yeah, myself, like we just judge and we criticize and like. But if we take that away, and I call it cleaning the window, it's like taking the squeegee. You're like, oh, things are clear now. now. Mm So the whole pono pono is four lines. Super simple. And you can do this towards yourself. Um, you do this first internally towards that person, place, thing, situation. And then it's even more powerful if you can go to them and do it in person. And that's what I did. I did both with Sean. And so okay. it's four lines. It's- I think I, I saw you. you do this in
0: live the other day. I watched no. your live. Okay, I did, I watched that.
1: Okay, go so ahead. I say love you. About. Love you. I love you. I'm sorry. Sorry, please forgive me please forgive me thank you thank you i love that yeah you're having love for them for whatever set them up to do whatever happened right Mm -hmm. like if we can take you out of the situation with you and your perpetrator and what happened and you start to actually look at what created the perpetrator right there's an element of love and understanding for another human being that would make them do whatever they did. Mm -hmm. And it's no, one's right. No, one's wrong. No, one's good. No, one's bad. You start to have a sense of empathy. It's not that you're saying what they did was right. It's a very different experience than saying, I'm becoming responsible for loving this person and knowing that something set them up to do that. Mm -hmm. Right. And it goes back lineage. Right. And then their parents set that up. And then their parents or their situation or a neighbor or whatever. Right. So it's like, it's not just like the the person before's fault. It's this entire filter, right? The sea of filters that that up. So you love and then you're also loving what it's doing for you. Mm -hmm. I believe our crappiest situations are the things that we become that we should be honestly the most grateful for. Mm-hmm. The only way to build res- build strength is through resistance. Right. The only way for me to build and tone a muscle, what do I gotta do? I gotta add weight, I gotta add resistance. Right. And so if we give everyone their own weight, that's why enabling people to through like addiction, you gotta give them their weight. How are they right. ever gonna build the strength if you don't give them all their weight? Yep. So I, like I love you and then I'm sorry I'm sorry for judging for criticizing. I'm sorry for what you've gone through. I'm sorry for how this is, has panned out. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please mm-hmm. forgive me for how I've judged, how it criticizes criticized how I've treated myself, treated others, treated my body, treated whatever. I'm, please forgive me. And then mm-hmm. you thank them. Thank you. Thank you for coming into my life. Thank you for this, this situation, strengthening me. Thank you to, to God for this perfectly choreographed dance. That is my life. Mm-hmm. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me back. So you don't have to go into all these details, but that's what the four different, um, steps. mean. Hey, I'm writing this down. So it's, I love you. I love you. I'm sorry. Please I'm forgive sorry. me. Please Forgive me. Thank you. Right. Thank you,
0: and thank Thank you. you. Okay, I am gonna. I love that. I think that's it's so simple. That's the thing is it's so simple, and it's basically. I mean, because I do coaching and things like that for for survivors, and it's like basically what I what I do. But that's just so simple. So like, I love that because it's really just like
1: all you need. That's really all you need, and I love it. And it's freaking profound. Like yeah. you guide someone through that and you get them to close their eyes and get into this space and they repeat it. So it's not just one done, you repeat it over right. and over. And then what happens is you start to see this wave. They say it and then they sink into it. And then one of the things will be like, either the I'm sorry or that I love you, or there's, there's one of the lines that's gonna hit that needed the most, right? Yeah. Oh my God, I needed to show love or I needed to forgive or whatever. And then all of a sudden like they're consumed by this emotion. And then this wave happens and they're just like, they could be sobbing, they could be laughing, they'd be like, oh my God, I love you, I love you. You know, like the, just the, the emotion is just like when they hit that breakthrough, it is yeah. so profound. And then you keep going, you keep going until you ride that wave, until till everything kind of the dust sort of settles. And then they open their eyes and they're like, are you even kidding me? The, the window has been cleared, the filters yeah. have been removed. They see things for what they are. And there's this new sense of compassion and love and just forgiveness and release. And there's all these beautiful emotions that start to come out and you're just like, yeah. yes, yes. Oh, I love that. It's so powerful. Yeah. It is So powerful. I love that. I
0: like I said, I watched you do it when you did your live the other day. And I was just like, I remember watching it. I think I was literally sitting there with my mouth open, like memorized. I was like, Holy crap. Like that's intense, but it's like, like you said, it's so powerful. And I, and I just, I loved that. So thank you for sharing that with everybody. Cause I think especially my podcast, people are are all that are listening to this have all struggled with some similar things. And so I think that that's just such a simple thing that you can learn to love yourself and other people again. It's like you said, even for your, your
1: you and your husband, like I bet that
0: opened so many doors for both of you when you did
1: that. Well, and what it did is it gave us an awareness of what how things really were, right? Mm-hmm. And so we we've been dating for 6 months. Right. When you're dating 6 months, you don't know if you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody. You don't mm-hmm. even know well enough to do that. And so we went from like like slow motion to overdrive in right. like overnight, you know, and so and we we developed this bond, but the bond was developed on something traumatic, right? And not on who we were as people, what we really wanted out of life. And we realized like, whoa, like, we're kind of headed in different directions. Like, we we can still love each other a 1000%. But like, are do we really want to be married? Like, is this really the right thing for both of us? And, you know, you just start to have like this kind Mm -hmm. of this awareness, this clarity. So I did that within myself. And then I went home and I did it to him. And at first, like he's like laying on the couch, like, Watching like Dateline or something, and all of a sudden I just kind of like grab his hands, and I was just like, "I love you," like, "I'm so sorry," please forgive me, thank you. And he's like, "Okay," like I'm <laughs> out here watching date night. No, you're okay, welcome. Please. And then yeah, I'm like you're welcome. So I was like, "No," like I need you to hear this. I've been blaming you for what happened, and I'm sorry. And then I went into it deeper, and then he's kind of getting it. But he's like, "Okay, thanks." And I was like, no, like, I need you to sit up. I need you to look at me. And, and then he's like, okay. And then he kind of like drops a tear, you know, and, and then I hold him and I just like pressed my heart into him and I just kept saying it into his ear. And then all of a sudden he just like collapsed into my arms. Yeah. He just fully collapsed. And he that was makes me like, like tear up just because I can't
0: imagine the that he's carried for that. And that's the thing is like, that's what makes me Like makes me cry is like, that's heavy. Like that's, he loved you so much, but like seeing the person that you love doing that and feeling like it was your fault if he would've done one thing different, if you would've, you know, it's what all those what ifs that you can do all day. And so picturing that and picturing him just like falling in your arms. Like I can't even imagine that release
1: that that felt for him for the first time in years, you know? Yeah. So uh, That's beautiful. Seven years at this point. And wow. he, after he kind of finishes like crying, he just looks at me and he's like, you have no idea how much I needed to hear that. Mm-hmm. He I probably didn't even thing. realize he needed it. He didn't know either. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that. it's it, it, beautiful. Uh, yeah. So that was like our squeegee moment. And So has that I, that's changed? That helped kind of get all that out for you guys? Yeah. And so it was no A longer lot. like dealing with this accent side. It's like, now we can actually just look at, Each other's two people. Like, is this marriage the right thing? Like, now we got that out of the way. Now we've got forgiveness. Now I'm seeing him through a different light. And as we change the way we see things, the things we see change. So he starts to change. Our relationship starts to change. And now we can actually just kind of start to look at each other as if, like, you know, is this the direction we want to go? Like, is this where we're headed? Mm -hmm. Like, now we can just have some really honest conversations without this. don't have that
0: big elephant in the room anymore. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So that was by far the most powerful part of just the entire healing journey. And, you know, we have, I think actually now a way better relationship than we ever did. Um, We Mm -hmm. are we fully support one another in where we're going. We fully support each other as parents of Charlie. Um, You know, and I after like we decided like, okay, that's come to an end. I made a very conscious decision like I can be angry as just an ex-wife. Right. Or I can always choose to see him as Charlie's daddy. Right. i see him at like a person looks very different. You say ex-husband, my Charlie, my little boy's father. Right. That looks very different. Right. Yeah. So, um, that was, you have to make some conscious decisions as to how you want to view things. And that's what changing perspective is. Yeah. If you, how you view trauma, Right, like I'm a fan mm-hmm. of the crap. I love the crappy situations in life. I don't love that they happen, but I love what they do. Right. And so I have an appreciation for it versus someone else that can be really, really stuck as a victim. Yep. And they see it as like, my life is over. Is yeah. it? Is it? Mm-hmm. Or is there another way that you could look at this that is way more empowering, that is an, is like a portal to healing, to growth, to self-awareness, to self-acceptance. Like yeah. that's what my disability became. It became this portal into like, wow, i always wanted something to talk about with that microphone and on that stage. And now I've got something that is so from the heart, fills me, yeah. I mean, you just listen to me. Like my voice gets really loud. Like I get really, yeah. I get so excited. I love because, it. Like, I just, I love what happens when we change the way we look at what's happened to us. Yeah. It's either life happens to you or for you. And absolutely. And it's just, it changes everything.
0: No, I, and I love how you said, you know, that you can choose to be the victim or you can choose to find the good in this and the good in the situation because every situation, has good and bad right and like especially when you've been through any type of trauma you could sit there and dwell in it and sit there and like you said be a victim forever or you can finally look at it and be like no i'm going to learn something from this and for me that was such a pivot point in my life was i was a victim my whole life like i I, from the day i was born basically until you know whatever and i was always victimized i was always the victim and i lived through that my entire life and finally about hmm, four years ago, I probably, it was after I had my daughter, I finally was like, I'm done. Like, I'm done being a victim. Like I'm done feeling sorry for myself and like pitying myself. Like this isn't, I, oh, I like, kind of like you said, I always felt like I had, I was going to do something with my story. Like I always in the back of my head, like knew somehow I was going to be on a stage. Like I used to have dreams. I would be on the stage and I was talking and this one specific dream and I would look down and it was all these women and they were holding a book with my face on it. And to this day, I still continue to like have this. And so I, yeah, like it's something I continue to have. And so I don't know if it's like a premonition or what, but that was kind of the point where I realized I had had it a couple of times and I finally was like this, I'm supposed to do something with this. I'm done being a victim. I'm a survivor. Now I'm going to do this and I'm going to teach other people that, they can stop being a victim right after it happens if if they choose to instead of going 10 15 years like i did and wasting time just feeling sorry for myself you know and so
1: yeah i think that was definitely such a pivoted part in my life and you know i think that it's um it's their their confidence building moments right like the word confidence so i i um just did this really beautiful 2020 revision course and um, we that's how we rounded up 2020, and that's exactly what it was. We did three steps: we healed and let go, we mm-hmm. accepted and pivot, and then we embrace and elevate. And that's the revision process. Anything that happens, trauma, okay, we're gonna heal and let go. We're gonna accept and pivot. Yep. We're gonna embrace and elevate. So by doing that step, and you know, people came for different reasons. I had people there for their disabilities. Some with job loss. Some with um, divorces or splits. Like. So many different things, but you, you handle them all the same. And so every time you do it, you're building confidence. You're building that tool of like, I can do this now. I know what's on the other side of it. So I asked everyone that signed up. There was like 180 women that signed up for it. And I had them all fill out. this just this really quick questionnaire. And I was like, if you could change one thing in your life, that would be make an astronomical difference in your life, what would it be? And I I didn't really know what to expect in this answer. I thought I was going to get a C of it, right? Like Mm -hmm. how to make more money or how to start a business or whatever. Every single one said the exact same thing. Maybe 95%. I got like a difference in 5% of people. Every single one said that if they had more confidence, all they need is more confidence. So I was like, okay, I'm really curious now. What does confidence mean? I'm all about like the actual literal meaning of words. So confidence mm-hmm. means to trust in. So self-confidence, all it is is to trust in yourself. Trust yeah. in your ability, your voice, your purpose, your um your gift, your talent, trust in the process. It's just having confidence in it is to trust in it. Right. And I've had this idea for this um course for a long time and it's I confidence. Yeah. And what the heck is that? And I'm like, it's the confidence of an icon. So you think of like a fashion icon. It takes a lot of confidence to go out and like do something fashion forward that no one's ever seen before, right? Like Lady Gaga, right. you're, you're putting meat on your head. Like yeah. that takes a lot of confidence to put a right. piece of meat on your head. So, right. But that confidence that comes forward, anyone that's an, that's an icon for anything, right? Like Tony Robbins, he's an icon for personal development. He's got to have a lot of confidence in his ability. So I'm like, the confidence of an icon is profound. Like that's major confidence. Mm -hmm. And I've always had this idea and I was like, now's the time. Now the time is that this is getting out there. So it's this tight knit coaching where not only are you going to like, it's not just passively watching me talk, but it's like, okay, what are you doing okay you're doing it right now we're going to build those little steps we're going to build that trust in yourself because so often us as women we want to get it perfect right before we begin we want it 120 we don't even just want 100 perfect we want 120 or we're not leaving the ground so we expect right. our first step to be taking flight and we do it with our wings totally matching and everything's done and like we're all put together we got it all done and we're ready to go and our, our liftoff is perfect. And it's like, if I don't have liftoff and I, I can't fly perfectly, I don't even want to move. Right. And it's like, or while you're wasting 20 years of your life waiting for those wings to get perfect, what if slowly we take these little yeah. steps and you test the ground? Okay, I can trust my footing. Ah, Sink into that. Trust the footing. Then all of a sudden your steps get bigger. Then all of a sudden you're mm-hmm. running. And all of a sudden you're just like, the wind just catches you and you just fly. Yeah. I do. I think that perfectionism is way more paralyzing in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think in a lot of women's lives, than the fact I can't walk.
0: Right.
1: Way more paralyzing. And, um, I'll, I'll leave with this because I think that people, women hear this and you're like, you've got to be out of your mind. And I'm like, no, listen. <laughs> Listen up. (laughs) This great conversation uh, with this couple. The wife is a dear friend of mine. She's an artist. She actually painted a portrait of me. And it's just of me walking on the beach. It was like my ultimate dream. She painted Mm -hmm. it. Great connection with her. And she got married uh, last year. And the the husband is just a gem of a man. You're like, yeah, they made him right when they made this man. And he also is extremely financially wealthy. Very wealthy. Mm -hmm. Very, very well. And we have started having this conversation at dinner around perfectionism. and He's like, yeah, he's like, I went to this like women's leadership conference and there's the woman on stage talking about perfectionism and all the women at the tables are talking about having to get things perfect. And he's like, it was one of like 12 guys there. And he turns to the guys and he's like, do you think this way? And the guy's like, no, like if I'm at 80%, I'm good. And I'm to the next project already. And I was like, whoa, yeah, no wonder they are fine with 80%. I was like, what if I started being okay with 80%? Mm-hmm. And I t- told this to a girl yesterday, I'm like coaching her and she's like, you're out of your damn mind <laughs> You think that I'm gonna be okay with 80%. I was like, I know that's exactly what I thought in the beginning too. You've gotta be out of your mind. We don't think like that. Right. But what if we developed it? What if we thought 80% became our new perfect i got 80 percent. awesome i nailed it and now i've got momentum imagine the pressure you take off of yourself about like, pressure
0: really yeah. get the other 20 i, I the need deal. to i need to follow that because i'm very much this is definitely something i do struggle with is i feel like i have to do everything and i have to do everything perfect I have to be a mom, I have to be a wife, I have to be a counselor, I have to run my podcast perfect, I have to still be available. I I want to build a business and I want to my plans to open a facility for trauma survivors. I want to do that 100%. I want, you know, and I I need to be a friend and I I definitely do that and I feel like when I don't, I'm not 100%, I throw in the towel and I just and I that's when my depression kicks in and I'm like I can't do anything right and said I'm just I'm I I can't. I can't do it instead of being like, okay, we well, you know want, it's okay. I got, I'm doing this good. It doesn't have to be hundred percent. Like I'm still, you know, I'm doing pretty good for myself. Like instead of that, I need it. I need, I need that mindset because
1: that is what's hard. Yes. Isn't that fascinating? Yes, it's, I love it's that. So cool because as soon as I start talking about this, every single woman responds the way you do. We think we have to literally check every yes. box and do it perfectly and make sure that we don't have any wrinkles showing when we do it. And we make sure that we like everything has to be like, Perfect and exactly we're not getting anywhere. We're not getting anywhere.
0: Yep. I, I think like you said that and I think that would help people women feel so much more confident in themselves because they wouldn't have that pressure. I love that. I've learned
1: it's so funny. much from you today. <laughs> yes. It's Thank so you. yes. <laughs> I think that um we think that the perfectionism, that hundred percent, like you're saying, like it's it's ironic. That if we did it at 80%, it would actually build more confidence than us getting it at 100%. Yeah. And isn't that the rub, right? Like, we, if we if we landed at 80% and not only said that it was good enough, but we said we freaking nailed it. Yeah. And nailed it. We celebrated that. And we kept nailed that, that 80%. We <laughs> nailed it. 80% is like, is A plus today. Because if we don't, ugh. I don't know about you, but I feel like the amount of time that I wasted, especially in 2020, trying to get things perfect, I'm never going to waste another year like that again. Yeah. My 2021 is going to be 80%. And you know what? It's going to be 80% of perfection. Yep. Right. Like it is I love like there the, and the, the 20%, we can allow to like, let magic take place. Yeah, you can allow totally. things to change without panic and be like, Oh, crap, it's not going exactly how I wanted it to. Totally. You know? totally. totally. I love that. Well, so normally people you know? come
0: on my podcast, and I talk to them. And I am most of the time, I'm the one that helps them. You definitely gave like, helped me so much today. So thank you. I just love Like I said, I love your insight. I think that I think we, for those of us who can walk and who don't, we take advantage of those little things. We don't realize how fortunate we are as just humans in general. We don't need to walk to be successful. We don't need to be, you know, have not have any trauma happen to us for us to be successful. Like we can still do all those things, no matter what our circumstances are, excuse me, no matter what our circumstances are, as long as we make that choice. And like you said, as long as we can have confidence in ourselves. So yeah i love everything you've said so thank you um will you tell everybody about the course you have and then just the other courses that they can keep an eye out for this year just because um in case they don't make the next one that you have in january
1: yep so i confident starts january 13th and it's um it's six weeks but we're actually gonna go full seven which will be awesome uh, and there's a ton of bonuses involved in that as well um including like a personal one-on-one clarity call which is normally basically like almost half the price of the entire course so um we'll okay. be able to get clarity of like where you want to go because we've got a lot of people we've got a woman that wants to get her book published we got people that are wanting to start podcasts we've got people that are starting mm-hmm. businesses. we've got people that are going to become public speakers we got a lot of people with big visions and big goals and it sounds like you are one of those people like you've got big visions big goals you want to yeah. open a facility. We got to get you on that momentum. I want to open a facility. I want
0: to become a public speaker. I want to have my successful podcast. So I, again, I have a lot of goals. And so I just, but like you said, I just need yep. to be happy with the things that I'm, that, you know, i be excited about the things I've accomplished. I feel like I've only had my podcast and stuff for a year and it's blown up. And so I, yeah, I think that there's so much stuff that you're, you're, um, what's it so, called? Like, is it a, what is it called that you're doing? Not a convention, no. Like a so it's
1: it's a course, but it's it's okay. group coaching. So it's actual okay. like you're not just watching a course. I know that you, there's a lot out there right now where you just like buy and watch it. This is okay. like you show up every single Wednesday as a group. It's tight knit. You have to really have to like interact and be willing to go all in and create this vertical life and this dream okay. vertical life. Um, okay. Well, I'm but, gonna
0: look up at that that up because I think I want. Yeah. I am gonna sign up because I think that it sounds amazing and if anybody who's listening you have dreams and you have goals and like this is exactly what you need to be able to kind of take that like she said that first step into flying because this is the like this is a perfect
1: example of what you need so definitely look that up and then we also have um it's called disability icon which is a full fitness program related to female wheelchair users However, it really is, we're creating also this members portal, which is going to be really amazing. So it becomes a resource, a platform, a way for them to hone some skills. Um, because again, there's just people that I realize are like, they're they're one step behind, like behind me on like building a brand, building a business, wanting to do things. And I'm like, I just want to yeah. share the wealth and like, realize there's enough room for all of us. It's yeah. not like just me and you guys stay back. It's like, let's go ladies, like arm in arm, let's storm the gates. So I love that. Yeah. So that's really exciting. And, and then there's also one-on-one, like I've got a few, uh, one-on-one personal clients. And if you are someone that is just like, look, I, I need to make a lot of traction this year. Like by the end of 2021, you want it to feel like 2030, like you've made that much progress that is for you. So, um, that is, really take the people that are serious that are trying to just like blow it out of the park this year or this decade yeah Um, and okay so that's for that's for the select that are really committed um well I want to talk to you about that because that's yeah yeah I've got a I've got a few of them right now and um the things that they're creating is absolute magic it's so cool oh I'm so excited to see everything So, and then you oh, can find I love everything it. at verticalblonde.com. So everything's yes. just vertical okay. blonde. all my social media is vertical blonde. Um, on my Instagram, I do a lot of lives, a lot of just really great nuggets on, you know, just ways to kind of tweak your life little by little. And then yeah. if you're ready for some like action and massive action, let's, let's go.
0: Let's go oh, yeah. sign up for sign up for her courses, you guys. Seriously, she, this woman is incredible. You are seriously beautiful inside and out. And I'm so glad that I know you and that I, you know, just love seeing what you do. So thank you so much for being here today and telling us your incredible story. And you really are. inspiration and not because of your accident but because of just the person that you are so thank you
1: so much thank you i will take that 100 percent. thank you so much this has been Um, you guys make sure
0: you follow her like she said vertical blonde on instagram um and then make sure you're
1: following candle
0: in a dark room we thank you again for being here and we will talk to you guys next time